Christmas is about family. Christmas is about celebrating the birth of Jesus. Christmas means spending time with my dad, my mom, my dog, Miko, and my little brother, Brian. Christmas is yummy food. Christmas is all about Jesus and family. Well, good morning, everyone. We can do better than that. We're the latter service. Good morning, everyone. Great. Hey, I want to welcome you to Crossroads. My name is Rod, and I'm honored to be able to share in this series called Christmas Is. And today we're going to be looking at Christmas is Love. But would you join me, please, as uh, we pray to begin this portion of the service? And I want to pray through Psalm 119.18 that says, Open my eyes that I may see the wonders of your law. And God, that's what we would ask today, that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to us as we look at this passage of Scripture, and that you would compel us and challenge us uh, to live uh, in a manner that's pleasing to you. And with that, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I'd like to share a story, Lee, seemingly a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And when you live in Hawaii, that is a far, far away place at one point. And this memory is still fresh in my mind when I experienced my very first Christmas as a Christian. It was during my second sophomore year in college, and I was experiencing a bit of a transition, making new friends, and it was up into air, up in the air to what my Christmas would look like, which is why I was so excited when a new friend I met, who recently moved to Hawaii from Oklahoma, um, gathered a group of people to her house for a Christmas party. When I asked if there's anything I could do or bring, she said no. She said all the food is provided, everything will be set up. She was living in an incredible home in my favorite part of Oahu, an area called Hawaii Kai. However, she mentioned, since it is a birthday party, you should bring a gift. My response was, I thought this was a Christmas party. And it is, she said, and we're celebrating Jesus' birthday. Not wanting to further accentuate my no-duh moment, I I replied, yeah, no problem. I hung up the phone, and what began with a sense of excitement of being invited to what originally sounded like a great party, now turned to a means of unneeded stress. A birthday gift for Jesus. What? Now, fortunately, I knew a few people from the party, and I called them to get some help. And when I asked them what kind of gift I should get for Jesus, a couple of responses included, well, it's really up to you. And what do you normally do when you get gifts for other people? Not helpful at all. So what do you do or buy or get for the person who literally has it all? Psalm 50, verse 12, it's up here on the side screens. It says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and all that is in it is mine. 1 Corinthians 10, 26 says this, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So in the midst of college finals, a full work schedule, I was working retail at the time, family commitments, gifts to buy for family and friends, to add buying a gift for the savior of the world, which may not seem like a big deal to you, but it was for me, added more pressure and anxiety to an already full and busy season. And if you're interested, and if we have some time later in this message, I'll share what happened. But, you know, it's times like these that we might like to think, wouldn't it be great to go back to a simpler time? Take, for instance, the very first Christmas. However, in many ways, I believe we have an overly nostalgic view of what the first Christmas looked like. 
the pictures in our minds that come from paintings and Christmas cards tends to make the events surrounding around the birth of Christ quite serene, tranquil, and peaceful. However, as we'll discover, not a lot has changed in the past 2,000 years. In fact, some of the same realities we are facing today were just as real and even more stressful, and I would even argue more so than it is today. So in your program, why don't you pull this out? You have an outline you can follow along with, and you're going to see a passage of Scripture that some of it was shared a little bit earlier. It's Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And I'm going to read this thing through as this will kind of serve as the background for what I'll be sharing this morning. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says, In those days a decree went out for Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration. It was taken a while. Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was a descendant from the house and family of David. He went to be registered to Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there is no place for them in the inn. Now, Socrates says the recognition of the obvious is genius. And in these seven verses, we're going to be looking at four realities that were present at the first and our current Christmas. Four things that we are challenged with right now as it was 2,000 years ago. So the first thing was there were financial conditions. Now, when we begin to think about what causes stress during this season, finances has to rank near the top of the stressors in our life. In particular, the buying of gifts more specifically. Now, I got a question for us. How many of us have spent too much money this Christmas? Raising of hands. Okay. How about this one? How many of us still have presents to get for Christmas? Okay, that's even the bigger stressor. Now, according to a Gallup poll, they said that on average, the average person this Christmas will spend close to $900 on Christmas gifts alone. And last year, according to a CNBC poll, the average person, not household, spent $1,100, close to $1,100 on credit cards just for gifts, of which 80% said it would take three to five months to pay it off. Now, regarding the first Christmas, they had financial challenges of their own. But it didn't involve the buying of gifts, but something I believe which is more stressful. To quote Ben Franklin, there are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. It said, everyone had come to Bethlehem to record their occupation, property, and family. Now, the King James Version more vividly describes what it meant to be registered. In Luke 2, 1 and 3, in the King James Version, it says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. All went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Now, Joseph and Mary were peasants living in Nazareth. They came from very humble means. So what little they had were being taxed. And I'm willing to bet there is no such thing as a tax credit for having a child back then. So they were facing these financial challenges. The next thing that probably adds a lot of stress to this season is our family. There were family dynamics. Now, here's the challenge with our families. You know, oftentimes I hear people say that we run our business or our business is like a family. And always the first thing that comes to my mind is that can't be true. Because I can leave a job or we can leave a job. And if we're in a position, we can fire people. But the same can't be true for our family. 
we can't fire them or oftentimes we can't leave them. So for better or worse, we're stuck with them. Unless you think this is not true, even the Christmas movies we supposedly love to watch that make movies um, to be a feel-good kind of moment don't present families in the best light. Here are a few examples. Take, for example, Home Alone. Here's a story of a family so caught up in the frenzy of planning a Christmas trip that they actually forget one of their kids at home. And what does Kevin, the main character played by Macaulay Culkin, say the night before he gets left? I hope I never see any of you jerks again. Nice Christmas greeting, huh? How about this one? Maybe not as well known. Four Christmases, where the characters played by Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon, every year come up with some crazy lie of doing benevolence work in a third world country so they don't have to spend time with their families. Or how about Christmas with the Cranks? It's based on a John Grisham book called Escaping, Skipping Christmas. Here's a movie where the plot is about a man whose daughter won't be home for Christmas, creates the perfect opportunity to skip the whole holiday and all that's involved with it. And about how his plans get ruined, guess what, when his daughter decides to come back in town instead. And the last example I'll give is, a, I know it's a favorite of many of us, is Elf. Now, this story is focused on a man who doesn't have the time nor the desire to spend time with his newly discovered adult child who was raised by elves. Now, you might be saying to yourself, thanks for ruining these movies for me. <laughs> but I really hope you're trying to get the point here that family, as great as they are, are an incredible point of stress during the holidays. And what I would say is, as tricky as some of our family dynamics might be, and some of us have some really complicated situations, I believe nothing compares to what Mary and Joseph are facing. Matthew 1, 18 and 19 says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Other translations say it more plainly, Joseph was going to divorce her. Now, key to our understanding is this. In Jewish tradition, in that day, engagement was the equivalent of being married. Engagement was not a promise to something to be fulfilled later. It was actually the living out of the promise. To be engaged was to be married. The consummation would take place a little bit later. Now, Joseph was being described as a righteous man. So no doubt he wrestled with the idea of divorce regardless of how we would do, this, do it. Notice he says he did not want to disgrace her publicly. Divorce would be a public scandal and Mary's reputation would be ruined. However, if you would read further on in the Matthew passage, we learn that Joseph does not divorce her. But Joseph choosing to stay mar married to Mary created his own challenges. The societal pressure of a baby born out of wedlock. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph at the dinner table trying to explain how she got pregnant? This is a no-win situation. So there's financial pressures, family dynamics. The third thing we see is there were time and travel constraints. There were time and travel constraints. Curiosity, how many of us are going to be traveling within the next couple days? Anybody? Okay. Or how many of us will be receiving people into our homes because they're traveling to see us? Some of us. Now, you know, there's a lot that goes involved with getting our homes ready or planning a trip. But it's heightened during this time with the season. Now, according to the USA Today, last year, over a third of the American population traveled. 
at least 50 miles between December 23rd and 31st. And Joseph and Mary were doing some traveling of their own. Luke 2, 4 says, Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem. Now, the journey from Bethlehem, I mean, sorry, from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about an estimated of 80 miles. Now, that might not seem like a lot. We can drive that in one hour at I-25, right? You know, 80 miles. However, for Mary and Joseph, they were traveling by donkey on unpaved roads through rough terrain, carrying all of their sleeping and eating supplies, and not to mention Mary being in her latter stages of her pregnancy. You know, Pastor Dennis and I were talking about this, and we estimated that it took about four days for them to make this journey. And can you imagine she being in that latter stage of her pregnancy, how many bathroom stops there might have had to be made? Okay. Now, the last thing we see in this passage is there were crowded conditions. Fill that in. There were crowded conditions. You know, have you ever noticed that everything is more crowded during these times? The malls, obviously, the post office, the roads, seemingly everywhere. But you know what? Bethlehem was crowded too. Remember, everybody that needed to be registered to Bethlehem was coming there. Unless we think this was just an annual thing, this was a once-in-14-year occurrence. So everybody was coming. Luke 2, 6, and 7, it's there on your outline again. It says, while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in an inn. That statement there, there was no place for them in an inn. Now, when we talk about inns in our current time, it's easy to think bed and breakfast. But in, in, in Israel, this is what an inn was. It was part of a two-story dwelling where on the top floor is where the family often live, and on the bottom floor is where the animals would live. Or sometimes it was a single-floor dwelling when one room you had the family and the other was for the animals. But what it says there is there was no room in those conditions. Now, can you imagine that it was that crowded that people actually turned away a woman who was pretty much at full term because so many people were there? And it says when she was in a manger, it simply means a place where animals feed. Now, those circumstances are tough just to sleep in. But can you imagine not being able to find a hotel in our society today? That would be one thing. But not to find a maternity ward as well? Now, it may seem like I'm presenting a pretty depressed perspective on Christmas. And I wouldn't say depressing. I would say more an accurate one. Because though we're fond of expressing sentiments like, I wish Christmas were all year round, or this is the season for giving, and Christmas does evoke some good feelings and stirs up some good intentions, if we're really honest, Christmas does not set us up for love. The conditions and circumstances for Christmas do not set us up for love. If you've been with us at any point during these last few weeks, and if you haven't, here's a quick review. We have looked at the following things. Christmas is compassion. Christmas is peace. Last week we heard Pastor Katie talk about Christmas is hope. And today we're looking at Christmas is love. So how can we say Christmas is love when we have all of these forces working against our ability to love? We can say Christmas is love because what makes this holiday, or might be better stated, this event in history so important, is that God has truly given us the greatest gift of all in his son, Jesus. For everything that can be said about Christmas can be said about Jesus. Look on your outline here. I'm going to go through these quickly. Christmas is compassion, but Jesus is compassion. 
Psalm 86.15 says, But you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious, God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. A couple weeks ago, Pastor John Smith talked about how Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And in this passage, Ephesians 2.14, it simply makes it much simpler. It says, for he himself is our peace. Jesus is peace. The next thing, Jesus is hope. Titus 2.13 says, while we wait for the blessed hope and the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the last thing, Jesus is love. 1 John 4.8 says simply, God is love. It is interesting that the way Jesus is first introduced to us is as Savior. Luke 2.11 says this, To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Messiah the Lord. What Christmas tells us is we need something supernatural or rather someone divine to come into our world to save us. Because at his core, Jesus came to save us from the trappings of this world and he does so in the following manner. Because in Jesus... Get this, Jesus takes away the pressure of our finances. Jesus takes away the pressure of our finances during this season because it is Jesus who provides something that costs us nothing, though it costs God everything. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. But you might get this point right here, I love this. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How about this one, the pressures of family? Jesus invites us into his family. Hebrews 2.11 says, So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call him his brothers and sisters. Amazing. How many of us, if we're honest, have a crazy uncle or some relative that we're ashamed of of some type? All of us, I think, do in some way. But here it states, Jesus is not ashamed With all of our failings, he's not ashamed to call us a member of his family. How about this one? Jesus redeemed the time and entered into time. You know, we want to talk about driving a long distance or going to a far place. How about this? Jesus entered humanity, traveling through all of eternity. Jesus, who existed outside of time, now entered into time. 2 Peter 3.8 says this, But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. Now, let's look at Luke 2.6 for a moment. It says, while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. Now, I don't want to overlook that verse. The time came for her to deliver her child. You know, God's timing is perfect. And isn't it interesting that Jesus entered this world during the busiest of times and during the most necessary of times? Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says this. I believe it's on the side screens. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, saying, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. The last thing, Jesus made room for us. John 3.16, which we heard read earlier, we read together, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Because Christmas is not about a baby, but a baby who grew up to be the savior of the world. 
Because God sent the Son of Man so that men could be sons of God. Because even though there was no room in the inn, there was room on the cross. And Jesus came to redeem us of overcrowded hearts. Jesus is the greatest gift. And that's why it's not cliche to say that Jesus is the reason for the season. Now, Christmas is not only a season for receiving gifts, giving gifts. It is a season where we can receive and celebrate the greatest ultimate gift. Let's take a look at 1 John 1, 1 and 2. It says this, We declare to you that was from the beginning what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testified to it and declare to you, this is key, declare to you eternal life, that was with the Father and was revealed to us. Now, Timothy Keller in his book called The Hidden Christmas, he's an author and a pastor of a great church in New York, had this commentary about that one verse. Let's take a look at this. He writes, Christmas means that salvation is by grace. However, when John says eternal life was with the Father and has appeared to us, he is not referring to Jesus Christ himself. He is referring to Jesus Christ himself. We are not being told that Jesus Christ has eternal life or that he gives it. The verse says that he is eternal life, salvation itself. God came to save us, into this world to save us, and allowing him to live through us, we can live out the spirit of Christmas because Jesus is eternal life. But before I share some ways we can actually live into this, we do have a few minutes. I'd like to share with you what happened at that party. It says, so I ended up driving out to the party a little early, so if you know the area, I could go to the Coco Marina Shopping Center with one last-ditch effort to buy a gift for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that was to no avail. So I showed up to the house, and through a big window, I could see the Christmas tree with all the gifts under it. And with nothing in hand, I went back into my car and left. I just could not deal with being the only one showing up at the party without a gift. I know I suck, right? <laughs> now, that's what I wanted to do. But as it would, when I was about to leave, just before I could turn around and head back to my car, my friend saw me through the window and motioned for me to come over to the front door. I was warmly greeted with a hug, now, and now I was stuck for the next several hours. Now, as promised, there was an incredible spread of food, good conversation. At the same time, I could not help glancing at that tree continually with all the gifts under it and what would come of it. I had so many questions. How do we give the gifts to Jesus? How do we know he's actually received it? How is he actually going to open up the gifts? Now, you may think these are stupid questions, but you got to remember, I was really new to this Christian life things. So it happened, my friend gathered all of us into the room, had to sit in a large circle, asked for a volunteer to start, and then proceeded to whoever was seated on the left went next. The first person to go was a friend of mine who said that because Jesus was wrapped in swaddling cloths, pieces of his cloths, which were squares that were used to wrap certain parts of Jesus' body, she decided to make him a handmade quilt to keep him warm. This was really beautiful. Another person made handmade socks to keep his feet warm. Two sisters opened up what was the biggest box, and they pulled out a violin and a flute, and they proceeded to play him a hymn. They wanted to play Jesus a lullaby. Then another person sang a worship song. As another 10 to 12 more people shared these incredible gifts, I was moved with emotion and inspiration, while at the same time, anxiousness to what would happen when it came to be my turn. Then a friend, one of the quietest people I knew, left the room, and I said to myself, good, I'm not the only one who didn't bring anything. 
And instead, he went to the refrigerator to bring out what's known as a hakule, which is like a wreath worn on your head for very special occasions, like weddings or graduations. He shared he wanted to place it in the crib because one day he would have to wear a crown of thorns. And when Jesus would die for him, instead, he wanted to leave the kind of crown he truly deserved, one fit for a king. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> then finally, the Vicky, the host, opened her gift, which was a Bible. And her gift was to eternalize the Christmas story in her heart. She then proceeded to share certain parts from Luke 1 and the Christmas story found in Luke 2, 1 to 20 from memory. The thing that went through my mind was, must be nice to be the host and be preparing your gift for a couple of months. So that was the gifts that were shared. Now, how do we love during this Christmas season? And again, as much as we like to say this is a season for giving, it is really a season for receiving. Because by receiving, John 1.12 says this, but to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. He gave us power to become one of his kids. If he does so, he'll also give us the power to continue to live and love through him. And by recognizing us ourselves as being of one of God's kids, we can claim one of these great promises. One of the names that we see shared during this season is Emmanuel, which is God is with us. And over these next three days, including today, I want to encourage you to read Luke 2, 1 through 20, and allow that to speak to you and empower you to know that you are loved. And I challenge you to make sure you're taking time to allow God to show you his love and see if that doesn't make a difference in how you show love to others. The second thing, the way we can show love during the civic is by making room. By making room. Let us make room in our calendars and in our lives to invite someone to one of the five services tomorrow between the two campuses. Lest you think we don't have time, there's still time. From this point to the next service is about 27 hours. That's plenty of time. We have no idea how life-changing a simple invitation might be. And you know, lest we think we have nothing to offer, the facts of Jesus' birth refute such thinking. Because what we have learned is he was born of the humblest means and he also chose to reveal himself to the humblest of people, the shepherds, ordinary people like us. And here's what you can trust and it's found in the following verse, John 5, 17. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. And here's the deal. Because God is always working, you never know what God might be in the heart of someone you invite to a service. You never know what God might be doing because God is working. The last thing we can do is by extending our reach. You know, Christmas is such a sensory season. We have the sights of Christmas that we see in Christmas lights decorating homes. We see it in the lights, the decorations that we put up. There's also the sounds of Christmas that comes through nostalgic and meaningful songs that we reserve for this time of the year. Then there's also the smells of Christmas that comes through fresh, fresh cut trees, cookies being baked, peppermint bark. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says this, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us into triumphal procession and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. And I want to encourage us to allow ourselves to be the fragrance of Christ during this Christmas. But how do we do that? By noticing. 
noticing opportunity to demonstrate acts of kindness in the name of Christ. And if you want to see your Christmas be special, try this over the next couple days, or better yet, on Christmas Day. This is something that, a little ashamed to say I haven't done it in quite a while, but our family's going to do it this Christmas. Where on Christmas Day, a lot of people go to movies, they got to fill the tank of gas to go somewhere. And I want to encourage you, when you go to the movie and you exchange a ticket, you simply present them a gift to say, God loves you and I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, that's all. Or if you're driving around and you're going to go to the Starbucks drive-thru, you're going to skip buying a coffee and you say, I'm going to, I just want to come to the very front because I have something for you. And I want to be able to say this face-to-face, to say, Merry Christmas and God loves you, and you present them a gift like this. It doesn't have to be a lot, but it's a way of noticing and being the fragrance of Christ this Christmas. Now, Technically speaking, there's only 48 hours left to live into this Christmas season. But the spirit of Christmas can be lived out all year round. So let me conclude that story. It feels like I'm keep this story keep on going and going, right? Um, when it finally and painstakingly came to my turn, I lifted my head and these words came out of my mouth. Come, they told me, pum. A newborn king to see. Our finest gifts we bring to lay before the king. So to honor him when we come. Little baby, I am a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring that's fit to give our king. Shall I play for you on my drum? So what do you give Jesus on his birthday to the person that literally has it all? You give him the only thing he doesn't have. You give him your heart. You give him your commitment, and this is what I did, to tell his story and to share that he is love and that Christmas is love. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone.